Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hey, everyone. You're invited to Harpy Hour. I'm Tracy. I'm Liz. I'm Steph. We are the Harpies. And Harpy Hour is our new podcast featuring ridiculous stories in history, science, and entertainment. Were you ever suspicious that pigeons were secretly spying on you? How do you know who to eat first if you survive a shipwreck? Do problematic musicals send you into an uncontrollable rage? If so, then Harpy Hour might be your new favorite podcast. That's H-A-R-P-Y for Harpy, and new episodes air every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on all social media at Harpy Hour Pod. And check us out on harpyhourpodcast.com. Okay, bye! Well, Samantha, we're here to complain about the thing we're supposed to like, Unsolved Mysteries. We were already complaining, so I hit record because, you know, we might as well get it on the record. We might as well add some time to this episode because this was maybe the most forgettable episode of Unsolved Mysteries in recent memory. It's just Why like... Why did I watch? I don't, I, I, I don't even remember. I seriously watched this yesterday and it's like... I watched what? it this morning. I took one note on this whole episode, and it wasn't even <laughs> one of my segments. So that should tell you it. It uh, it it sucks. Yeah. Oh, did I mention that this is perhaps it's you, your favorite unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast? At this point, do you think we're anyone's favorite unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Don't be so down on yourself. Hmm. That's probably no, we have at least five people that claim yeah. that their favorite. That's true. I right. guarantee my mom is not listening to another Unsolved Mysteries Rewatch <laughs> podcast. So there's so many of them out there now. I know. Even though we weren't the first, I am a little bit like, uh, that's our thing. I still think we were like one of the OGs though, don't you? Like we jumped I on mean, it pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, once it was like available stream, we're not like um uncovering well, no. unexplained mysteries. No, it was they doing were truly- it for like Beyond the OG. From doing it from like the DVDs. Once it was available streaming, we did get on it pretty quick. I'll give us credit for that, but um, I don't. I man, the things we could be doing instead of talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. Do we have any updates? I was wondering if we should talk about the nonsense at the capitol or i mean it's not like i have any special mm. insight or no i i for sure don't i feel like I... i've been doing nothing but doom scrolling for the last week yeah but like the quality of the doom is is unprecedented so i don't feel even feel that bad about it but every once in a while i feel like i need to come up for air <laughs> from like twitter or wherever i'm doom scrolling I think everyone's in the same boat, but I don't. Ha- yeah, I don't have any good takes. I will no. say what I will say. If you want some catharsis, there are some Twitter accounts that are doing some incredible work trying to identify <laughs> these. Yes. In a lot yeah. of ways, the shitheads who stormed the Capitol made it really easy because they didn't cover their faces, which is objectively hilarious. If you're so anti-COVID that you won't even put a mask on to hide your face when you're committing an obvious crime, that's just objectively hilarious to me. So in a lot of ways, they made it really easy live streaming while they were doing it, posting their names on Parler with like a caption, look at me invading the Capitol. But 
there are some accounts doing some really incredible work trying to identify these idiots, and the way they're doing it is incredible to me. I watched them identify this guy who had none of his face, like no identifiable, <laughs> identifiable features showing whatsoever. All you could tell was that he had like very specific tactical gear on, and so the amount of investigative work going on is being like crowdsourced right now where they identified like the shirt he was wearing and then they found a live stream from a hotel room after after the fact where he had like a scar on his neck and then someone found his facebook and you could see the exact scar it was it was amazing it was amazing so watching these people go down like in this crowdsourcing investigative fashion has been super fun um so if you know if you want some catharsis you could check you could check that out i wish i had at my fingertips some account to recommend but you'll find them um that's been great once you told me that the woman from Don't Fuck With Cats uh, body oh, yeah. movement, once you told me that she was on the case, I was like, they're all doomed. They're doomed. There's there's no, there's no stopping us now. It's the worst. I, I was originally calling it a coup, but that's like too... Like a coup is like, has a plan. A coup is like organized. This is just a LARP. This is just a like criminal LARP. Because... it's hilarious to me that they had no like real plan of what to do once they got inside so they ended up just like trashing stuff and taking selfies like children there's some really funny photos where they're like staying inside like these the ropes the The velvet ropes ropes. (laughs) they're like following through this line as if they're just tourists it's ridiculous i do think that collectively they didn't have a plan but there are some like subgroups that clearly were like like they had come with zip ties and like oh, that's ready true. to take yeah. hostages and like and I, the only reason I know this is because I've been following these invest these <laughs> crowdsourcing investigators for a week, uh, so I do think there were which is scary. It's really scary because it sort of seems like there are a lot of people taking it seriously, but also there no one who who can do anything about it is taking it seriously is really how it feels because. If the FBI wanted to find out who all these people are, they could, right? It just shouldn't have to be oh, sure. forcing, yeah, yeah. It sh- like users on on Reddit and Twitter to find these people. So that's that makes it a little scary. But I know, mean, you would think we can do about it that they wouldn't be allowed to leave. Yeah, you'd think the best time to grab them would be like <laughs> while they're committing the crime, but. Yeah. Like while a guy is carrying out the podium, maybe yeah, you could have arrested you could him. Yeah, stopped him. <laughs> Nobody asked me though. Yeah, I mean, hey, if you if you previously had thought we were you know being too hard on cops and they were <laughs> they were actually good at their job and they're not just a bunch of white supremacists, I think this. I mean, I can't say that any of us is really surprising. It just really uh. Kind of drives that point home. The thing that's been slowly building for hundreds of years, you know. Yeah, it's it's really not surprising to anyone who's actually been following what's been going on in the right wing spheres. So it's cool that uh, it was just allowed to happen. Yeah, because the cops were like, "Oh, hey, Fred," hey. you know, like they they're buddies. They all Come know each in. other. Come on, yeah, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. But the idea that you would think, like, oh, this is a revolution. We're going to break inside the Capitol. Yeah, what are you going to do once you're in there? Uh, I'm going to pose for a photo at Nancy Pelosi's desk. Like, oh. You're not going to... 
you're not going to like instill a new government or it's like, no, I'm probably just going to like knock a bunch of papers on the floor. Yes, there's a performative aspect to it for sure. And I've seen articles to that effect where it's like, they're just in there taking selfies. Like they're just, this is just a performance for other white right wing dum-dums. Yeah. I mean, most of them don't know what they're doing. And some guy was talking about how like, he like got on a megaphone was talking about how like everything was going to be half off. He's like (laughs) declaring some sort of sale. I I don't know. That's what I would do if I started a revolution. Yeah. Everything's unclear. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) I'm just like, what? What are you talking about? Look, they look, he stood for something. All right. right. I mean, that guy had more of a plan than a lot of those bozos. (laughs) He was like, I want cheap stuff. I'm going to the Capitol. Like, mm, probably head over to Marshall's, but... Yeah, it's all, that's already there, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be a, be a fashionista. Um, yeah, well, you know. Anyway, we're still here. Still here, still talking about Unsolved Mysteries. My only update is actually an apology for my horseshit audio from our last episode. Remote recording continues to be the worst, and seems to be such that you could do everything exactly the same, and from one week to another, your audio sounds oh, no. completely different. I'm actually in a closet right now, so I hope, like a true oh. podcaster, I'm in a closet. So I hope that my audio is better. Hello, editing Samantha here. Obviously, my audio, it's not better. Uh, I might need a new microphone or something. I am working on it, but we weren't going to re-record the episode. We don't have the energy for that. We're just going to chalk it up to technology's a bitch, and we hope that it's not distracting for this episode. Know that we're working on it, and I'm sorry. Uh, I sat in the closet for no reason. That was really cramped. Um, Yeah, that kind of sucks. Anyway, hopefully we have it fixed for the next episode. Sorry. But I really did enjoy having Arden on the show last week. That's always fun. Um, Big thanks to friend of the pod, Arden, for coming on and doing our work for us. Yeah, that was a huge relief, man. She knew a lot about Anastasia. A lot that I don't know and don't remember. And, also, yeah, and couldn't be bothered to, to read yeah, it, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> she really needs to start her own podcast. Yes. She's I, such a good voice. Oh, She's God. really good at talking, which I feel like I'm not. So That's yeah. not true, but... Well, she should I, w- I would be a devoted five listener to one of the five to the Arden pod Absolutely. I feel like we might have said the wrong name for one of our thank yous last week did we I think we needed to thank Becky oh Becky you're right you're right I think I said Robin for some reason <laughs> so thank you Becky and also if there's a Robin out there just like thank you too but <laughs> thank you I don't even know who that is <laughs> But more importantly, thank you to Becky for our lovely gift. Becky sent us that um, snack box from around the world, and I still haven't eaten any since since the first ones that I I ate. But since then, (laughs) I have not. I have not yeah. uh, gotten into those those snacks, so I'm excited. Maybe maybe someday we'll be able to record in person and have a snack hour. Oh my god! Okay, I actually have a snack hour update. Oh, well, this is perfect. We did hear from at least one listener who wanted us to bring back snack time. So this is for them. I have one snack time update, which is that well, this is, you know, we weren't going to get that sponsorship from Tohio Treat, but now we're like really not going to get it. I've, 
I've been getting the Tokyo Treat Box for a few months now. We did a snack time where we both ate out of our October box. Yes, that was fun. And I've gotten a few more since then because I signed up for six months. Kind of a disappointment. Oh, bummer. Because they're kind of all the same. Okay. So I feel like doing one or sending your friend one, totally fun. Totally worth it. I, I do recommend that. Getting more than one? Mm, okay. Kind it kind of ruins the surprise when you're getting it monthly if it's just the same thing over and over again. I've just gotten like different things and like the same thing in different flavors, I mean. Okay. Or, and I've gotten so many just like corn chips that just taste, I don't know, like nothing special. <laughs> or I'm just like, okay. Like, I guess I technically hadn't had this, but like, who would know? Um, I understand that they can't put, or they probably don't want to put a lot of like chocolate things or melty things in the box. So I, I won't hold that against them, but there's also like no rice crackers. So many corn crackers. I don't know. It's just, it's very samey. So when I opened up my January box, I was like, all right. I was like, (laughs) not excited about it at all. So I would say stick to one. You don't need more than one. That's okay. my update. That's a good suggestion. I thought it would be this really nice thing to like make winter more bearable this year, but now I just have a bunch of like samey little <laughs> bags of chips that I don't really want. So Okay. Yeah. That's my snack time update. That's a good Ba-doom. one. Okay. Now let's God, I don't even I don't want to do this. Season six, episode four. You can watch it on YouTube. <laughs> But I would say, do not bother. There is so many better things you could do with your time. Like, basically, anything. Take a bath. Take a nap. Yeah. Just lay in bed and don't go to sleep. (laughs) Just enjoy the coziness of your bed for a while. Like, really appreciate it. That would be a better use of your time than this. Watch some cute dog videos on YouTube instead. This this is a waste of time. Yeah. we should probably talk about it. <laughs> it's almost a little bit our job, so we'll do it. We'll push through. You have the first one. And I have the first one, which is an unexplained death, which is actually explained, but I guess we still have to talk about it like it's not. <laughs> um, so, Ted... It's so long! It's really that- long, and it's so explained. It's so explained. Even back then, it was explained. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for Ted and his family. I'm t- sorry for Ted's mom, Val- Zell, but... <laughs> This is an ex- explained death. Okay. I'm Ted- also jealous of the name Zell. Yeah. Her full name was Zelda, I think. She, she just went by Zell. by Zell, which is very oh, cool. I really like it. Um, so Ted Losef was a 40-year-old orthopedic surgeon living in Hancock Park near Los Angeles, California. He had married two years earlier and was having marital issues. There was apparently a prenuptial agreement that stated that his wife, Wilda, would get nothing if the marriage ended in divorce. At 8 p.m. on the evening of February 23rd, 1974, she called the police claiming that he was inside the house with a gun. The police arrived along with a family friend. Um, They uh, got the keys from Wilda and entered the house, um, the police and this friend. Uh, They searched the house, though, but they they didn't find him until a few minutes later they entered the garage and discovered that he was dead in his car. 
There was a hose pumping in the exhaust. Um, Authorities quickly ruled the death a suicide. They didn't perform an autopsy or much of an investigation. I think they thought it was a pretty clear-cut case. Um, He had left a note. Um, Yeah. Uh, So this suicide note I mentioned asked his wife for compassion. Um, Ted's mother, Zell, however, believes that he was murdered. So this whole thing comes about because Zell is convinced that he was murdered. And the story she tells, the theory she has about how and why he was murdered is so complicated. And I just want to tell Zell, I understand your mourning you don't want to believe that your son killed himself, but sometimes the simplest explanation is the the, the true explanation. And um, yeah, anyway, uh, so she believes he was murdered. Shortly after his death, she met with Wilda, and Wilda indicated that she was happy that Ted was dead. According to Zell, they met at the <laughs> restaurant, and she had wanted like a timepiece or something. Uh, Zell did, and she like I don't know tossed Wilda like tossed it to her, and then was basically as she was leaving, she was like, "I'm not sad he's dead" or something. Which, I guess they were having marital issues. It's not a very nice thing to say. Um, to his mother? To someone's mother when they just died. So, I mean, Wilda might be a bitch, but that doesn't mean that she murdered him. I don't know. As evidence goes, it's not. It's flimsy, I would say. Um, she really was point, like, he didn't mean as much to me as he did to you. That's right. I was trying to remember the quote because I took bad notes. Um, I'm glad he's dead. Yeah, which, and then she just awkward, awkward dinner. Bad dinner. Yeah, awkward. And like I said, so Wilda was a bitch. I don't know that that means that she murdered him, but at this point, Zell becomes convinced uh, that she had, or that she had at least arranged it. Uh, So, but Zell began to believe that her son had not committed suicide. She believed that Wilda was involved in his death. The discrepancies um, with the death scene came to Zell in a bizarre dream. Uh Yes. Uh Yeah. So at this, at at this point, she had this. She describes it as a vision that she had in a dream, where she remembered that before Ted's death, the garage had been filled with boxes and other shit. Um, but but Ted had had back surgery shortly before his death, and she says would have been unable to move all of the boxes to put his car in the garage. So she was like, "Well, how did he get his car in the garage? How did he clean it out?" And I just want to be like, "Why would the murderers do that?" <laughs> You know, you know how murderers really like to stick around a crime scene for a super long time after killing someone. Well, they and would they- have had to clean the garage before killing him because she said he couldn't have been able to get his car in the garage because there was too much garbage. So the murderers decided the easiest way to kill him would be to clean the garage first. Yes, they love murderers. Love to do chores. <laughs> I hope that when I'm murdered, they get up there and they clean out those gutters because they're gonna need it. Yeah, I mean, if it's- I'm murdered, if they could clean up around the house before the cops get there <laughs> and everyone else has to come see my dirty house, that would be yes! helpful. Yeah. But- so they'll be like, wow, Samantha kept a really clean house. It's a shame yeah. she's, go- she's gone. Little do you know, the murderers were in there dusting before you showed up. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. That's, so It's quite a stretch. It's, it's- the evidence. <laughs> It's more of a stretch. I we've seen a lot of people in denial about the the death of their relatives, but the idea that just because he couldn't have cleaned out the garage, that means nobody else could have. 
His or, wife couldn't have done it. Some neighborhood kid couldn't. He couldn't have paid a kid 20 bucks. Like, I how many boxes are in your garage. You can probably push them out of the way. And if you're, if that's how you want to kill yourself, you probably just you push them out of the way and drive your car the them. I don't yeah. know that if he really wanted to kill himself, he would be that worried about his back. You know what I mean? No. Like, he's not going to be like, I don't want to strain my back anymore because I'm getting a lot more years of use out of it. Because he's not. Yeah. 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 Also, Um, also she remembered that the gate to the garage was difficult to move. And as a result, Ted always parked his car outside of the gate near the front of the house, except that he needed his car to kill himself. So, of course, he (laughs) of course, he drove it in. uh, Samantha, that gate was kind of finicky. So (laughs) have you thought about that? Have you thought about the fact that that would have been a little bit annoying and therefore he didn't kill himself? Yeah, because an inconvenience is what's going to stop you. I understand that Zell is is looking for reasons and looking for evidence. It's just that it's not there. And so she comes up with these. Her story of like the murderers came in the house and then they did this and then they did this (laughs) and then they did this and then they did this. Like the only way to get the facts to line up with her theory makes the most convoluted long story. That you're just like, there's no way that's true. But this, why? What? Why would, uh, it's so much effort. It's a lot of effort. So after these, quote, inconsistencies came to light for Zell, she decided to look for more information in an attempt to reverse the ruling on her son's death. She tracked down Ted and Wilda's former housekeeper, Mary, who also felt that Ted's death was suspicious. Mary claimed that the afternoon of his death, she arrived at the home and learned that Ted was planning to divorce Wilda. This is where it starts getting a little wild and a little hard to follow. Shortly after... Wilda came downstairs in, uh, Zell says, quote, histrionics, hysterics, uh, claiming that Ted had a gun. Mary said that she did not see a gun. Mary then, Mary told Ted that she did not want to work while the two were fighting, so she paid, uh, so she got uh, paid and then left. Um, as she was pulling out of the driveway, however, she noticed Wilda in the street. Wilda told, told Mary that she was afraid to go back into the house, so Mary agreed to take Wilda back into her, walk Wilda back inside so that she could call the police. After arriving back at the house, Mary called the police. However, they told her that nothing could be done because um, she had not actually seen Ted with the gun. Mary tried to call the Losefs home, but the line was busy. Uh, between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m., Mary attempted to call the home 20 times, but each time she got a busy signal. Then after 8 p.m., she called Ted again, and the phone finally rang. However, Ted did not answer. Um, So at that point, Mary decided to call the police again, um, and then by that time, it was 9 p.m., and the police had arrived and found Ted's body. Um, I don't know what any of this means. I I don't think it means anything. I think people forgotten that it was easy to think you had hung up your phone and accidentally leave it off a hook right like it was easy to just phone wasn't very loud and you didn't realize it until you yes and then it's like oh my phone's been busy for the past eight hours or whatever or or he's getting ready to kill himself and he left it off the hook or i don't know that doesn't prove anything yeah and there's this whole thing about his shirts and how she never used hangers she only ever used these i don't (laughs) because the note was written on 
a shirt cardboard. A shirt cardboard, which they never used. I don't understand what that has to do with anything. There was also like some vomit found on the bed. Like Mary found some like they didn't, she didn't call it vom- vomit, but she called it like this mustard col- like colored gross stuff on the sheets. And then when she washed the sheets, they disintegrated, which I don't know what that has to do with anything. And the autopsy revealed that he had vomited before his death, but there wasn't like, it wasn't like, despite how much vomit the autopsy said that he produced, it wasn't like found on him. So then that came to this theory that he like was attacked in his bed and then put in the garage and... It actually explains why he's changed his clothes. Is that he threw up. Right. And changed his clothes before killing himself. It's not that... Well, and Zell is suspicious because apparently Wilda told, told Mary that it was actually the dogs that had thrown up. And I don't know. Okay. First of all, she's not going to know if it was her husband's vomit prior to killing himself. She wasn't there. So she's probably just guessing. Oh, we have dogs. That's probably from them. They make a mess everywhere. Just why are you asking me about this? Wash the sheets. And then she does such a bad job washing them that they like explode. <laughs> and I don't, I didn't, I still do not understand what that is evidence of, but that is serious. Of nothing! Yeah. So this is what Zelf believes happens. She believes that shortly after Mary and Wilda left the house, Ted was attacked by at least two men. She believes that the men were close to Wilda. They presumably entered through the back door, which Wilda told them was unlocked. The autopsy indicated that Ted had been, uh, had been in a struggle. Uh, Zell believes that the men took Ted to the guest bedroom, which is where the vomit was found, and forced poison down his throat. One of the assailants... Why? That's such a hard way to kill someone! They forced poison down his throat. Uh, Then one of the assailants took the phone off the hook, which explains why... This is Zell's idea of what happened, which explains why Mary couldn't get a hold of them. In order to signify to Wilda that the attack was in place... This was, yeah, a message to Wilda that she, that the phone was uh-huh. off the hook. They then cleaned and undressed Ted and put him in different clothes that Mary noticed. He, uh, the clothes Why? Wearing. Why? I don't know. The assailant, well, because he w- had fresh clothes on and was clean. So she has to explain that somehow. But why That's would they why. bother to do it? That would be such a pain to dress a corpse for no reason. So the assailants moved the boxes in the garage that at that point opened up the gate, drove Ted's car into the garage, and then put put Ted's body in the car. After finishing everything, one of the assailants then hung up the phone, telling Wilda that the job was done. Uh Uh-huh. I like the idea that they were like, okay, now we got to clean out the garage. That's going to take a good, I don't know, four hours. So (laughs) it takes so long to clean a garage. Let's uh, make some lemonade, you know, be sure to stay hydrated, take some lift with your knees. Like, and then the neighbors are like, who are those two guys cleaning out that garage all afternoon? Probably murderers. That's what murderers do. It, it's like frustrating to me. That it's this- frustrating to me that we had to watch it. I <laughs> it's really frustrating to me know- that it. That Unsolved Mysteries, like, indulges this theory. That they, like, indulge this woman's delusion instead of being like, no, this is solved. Right, because at the very end, Zell says something that I think is really telling, which is that 
if my son's death death could be changed to homicide and we could find because Wilda ends up dying, I believe in an overdose at that point, but she still wanted them to find the quote unquote murderers. And she says, if we were able to find them, then I could finally, I could finally have peace or something, which clearly she's feeling this unresolved. Right. She has all these unresolved emotions surrounding him killing himself. And she thinks that she could get closure if she was able to, find out that he was murdered definitively so it's i think that's really telling like she's clearly i mean obviously the story is absolutely implausible but she's reaching for something so in march of 1982 the los angeles county coroner uh did order an inquest at the inquest a friend testified that the suicide note was written by ted but that ted had written the note two years earlier following an argument Um, which was much earlier in his marriage. The inquest ultimately ruled that Ted's death was a homicide Uh, on May 1st, 1983. And I think like the main evidence of that was that he hadn't, that he had written the suicide note earlier. Like that's it. I don't know. Right. Which that just shows that he could have been depressed for a long time. (laughs) Like that, whatever. Okay. So on May 1st, 1983, Wilda died from an overdose um, two years after Wilda's death, the authorities completed their inquiry, ruling the cause of uh, Ted's death undetermined. However, Zell is convinced that someone has gotten away with murder and still hopes that the case will be solved and that the men Wilda hired allegedly can be identified and arrested. So there's no, obviously, there is no update. Um, no new investigations were ever done into the death of Dr. Losef and Zell passed away in 2010. Sorry, Zell. I know. I am sorry, Zell. It's terrible. The situation is terrible. But yeah, I I don't believe there is. There's really not a motive. A I motive guess other, well, other, other than, other than the prenup. Yeah. And, the, and she claims because she would get money. Like if they got a divorce, she wouldn't have gotten money because of the prenup. So I guess that was the. Where did she get the money to pay these two murderers to be at their house the whole entire day? That doesn't sound cheap. No, I mean, the hourly rate on just cleaning the garage alone. <laughs> uh, there is some great fashion in this segment, I will say. That's true. That's an upside. There's some really 70s housewife fashion, like like how they want the Stepford wives to be, like the end of the Stepford wives when they're all walking through the grocery store. It's a lot of stuff like that. And Zell wears a really amazing hat to the funeral or the funeral reenactment. Uh, reenactment Ted has a mustache. Okay. Which is a very thick, looks like a drawing of a mustache that I called, it's me, Mario. <laughs> How have we not had that name for a mustache yet? I don't know. I do oh, not Finally. Know. Okay, so now this might annoy me even more than the one we just did. It's a treasure. Oh, okay. <laughs> a treasure? It might be my... I'm going to say this is my least favorite treasure that we've done. This treasure is garbage. This is not a treasure. The treasure is Even water. Even if it existed, this is not a treasure. The treasure is, yeah, water that may or may not exist. Now, look, I realize water is a valuable resource, and I realize that one day I'm going to die in the, the clean water wars. But sure. this is just, like, the theory of water. <laughs> 
that water might exist underground. That's the treasure. Also, it's specific water, not just underground water in general. <laughs> maybe there's water. Okay, fine. There <laughs> might be water somewhere in the desert, basically. And we'll, we can get more into it, but I hate the dude that's trying to claim this for himself. I, why is that his? It's not. Why is a natural resource that everyone literally needs to survive? And he's like, I should make money off of this. And I'm like, no, you absolutely should not. No. I hate you. Anyway. Well, you're not the only one. There's a few, like, engineers and water planners in this episode that clearly despise him as well. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not a fan of basically anything going on here. Also, you know that Robert Stack loves to wax poetic about the desert. And so he does that to introduce the segment. But whenever he's talking about the desert, he's talking about it like it shouldn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like it's an abomination. And he literally talks about the species that live there. He says that evolution has sentenced them to live there. <laughs> Which is not how evolution works. And also, it's just like, it's not a punishment to be in the desert. You, you know how, how old-timey, like, people would, like, put pigs on trial? Like, if a, if a cow, like, <laughs> killed the farmer, they would, like, put it on trial. That's what happened to all, but God did it. There was, like, a little, little trial for, like, I don't know. Sand snakes. snakes or whatever. Snakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were sentenced to live in the desert. Take that, Roadrunner. You're sentenced to the desert. I was like, Robert Zach, what did the desert do to you? Calm down. Okay, so this is the treasure in this, as we said, is an underground river that may or may not have gold in Nevada, per some legend. And it's at the bottom of this underground cavern, and it was supposedly once found, quote, running far below the cactus and the scorpions. Poor <laughs> scorpions, their little scorpion chain gang. <laughs> Has Robert ever been to a desert? Like, I oh. sort of feel like, no. no. Okay. So this is, it starts off, we hear about this guy, Earl Dore, who, like, climbed down into this cavern through this thin opening and supposedly followed an underground river for eight miles and when a historian is talking about this legend he says he refers to it as an almost too good to be true type situation <laughs> you don't say huh. because the river is also like full of gold like you could pan for gold and there'd be tons of gold in it and i don't know whatever. my only note from this whole episode that i actually wrote down was from this segment, and it was when they were panning for gold, and Robert Stack calls it fancy dirt. <laughs> I somehow missed that in my rage, and that's obviously what we're calling this episode. Fancy, fancy dirt. dirt. Which uh, I guess if it's, if it's dirt with gold in it, it is fancy. Wow. Why does that sound like a meme to me, though? Like, Robert yeah. Stack is before his time. It's ahead of his time. Fancy, fancy dirt. 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 Um, so the problem with Earl Dorr finding this underground river surrounded by fancy dirt was that, oh, the land that he used to get into the cavern, you know, didn't belong to him. So, oh, he, yeah, the problem. the problem was that he was trespassing and us had no right to be there. So he believed he could find another way into the cavern and then decided to dynamite the original opening. Seems like Which, a bad plan, Earl. 
I was also like, again, this land doesn't belong to you. Should you be dynamiting it? No, I think that for sure not. Okay, so anyway, he was never able to find a way in again, supposedly. And over the next 50 years, according to Unsolved Mysteries, people tried to find it and never could because guess what? It doesn't exist! <laughs> Sorry you weren't able to find your magical underground cavern full of fancy dirt. <laughs> okay, now we take a jump in time in the story and it somehow is even more annoying when we start to hear about scientist Wally Spencer who studied space shuttle photographs of the Earth that were taken in the 80s, and he thought he saw an ancient riverbed through the Nevada desert that would be, though dry, would be evidence of oil today. So he invents this thing that supposedly can find oil by finding places where the Earth's natural emission of radiation is being blocked. This is his, like... I don't care. <laughs> yeah, who does? <laughs> so this was like his invention. His he came up with this way of supposedly finding oil. Uh, but according to Wally Stack, uh, to <laughs> Wally Stack, according to Robert Stack, Wally like had little known brother <laughs> Wally Stack. <laughs> Wally Stack. No one liked him. Uh, Wally had no idea if his device actually worked. It's helpful, Wally. It's yeah, helpful. great. So to test it, <laughs> him. <laughs> he decided to drive around the Nevada desert for three weeks. Okay. I was like, there, there had to be a better way to test it where you would like know if it was working or not. Not just no. literally drive no. around and see if it beeps at you, which is what they did. <laughs> so after it reacts to one spot, he's hoping it's oil. But then for some reason that is not made clear to me in any way, they decide it's actually an underground river. Okay, this just... <sighs> It could just be an accident that it just went off. It just beeped once. You've been driving around for three weeks. It beeps once and you decide you actually, you, your device that is designed to find oil didn't find oil, actually. It found water. <laughs> He's also, he hasn't like drilled, you know, he doesn't know what's under there. He just has a box that beeped at him. That's it. Sounds like water and, to me. And he literally has no idea if it actually works. <laughs> But then for some reason they speculate that the river could produce 17 billion gallons of water a day? Based on what? We're just making things up, I guess. And no one knows that it's there? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, we'll get to some people that are just as frustrated as me. Wally also has a mustache. He can't win. He's like semi-dirtbag to me. His mustache is like trimmed too short. So I called uh, it the... Tracks. I called it the regrets. You know that meme where the, <laughs> where the guy has the tattoo that says no regrets, but he spelled it wrong? Yeah. No regrets. That's his mustache. <laughs> I realize a mustache is not as permanent as a tattoo, but it was a mistake. Okay. So, um, but then again, is this Wally's land? No! That's what I hate about all of these treasure segments. Is It's just white guys wandering around deciding they get to keep whatever they find. What? Yeah, why? Why? Who lives on this land? Just because Robert Stack hates the desert doesn't mean it doesn't belong to anybody. There's probably been people living there for thousands of years. I hate everything. Okay. So he, um, yeah. So, and Unsolved Mysteries also acts like it's a bad, I, bad that he ends off in a bureaucratic standoff with state officials. 
should he just be able to take whatever he wants? How does that? I'm gonna say no. How does that not? I don't even know that this guy lives in Nevada. He just like looked at aerial photographs of the Earth. Why does he get their water resource? Okay, whatever. So Wally contact. So what you're supposed to do if you find water, in which yeah, the state of Nevada could use, you're supposed to like file for some sort of water permit. But he was, like, insisting that he got a finder's fee. Again, he does not know that there's anything there. And so he's insisting to the state that he gets a finder's fee for the 17 billion gallons of water that are there. And they're like, no, you have to file for a permit like everyone else. Shut also, up. Also, haven't proven that there's water there. Which I guess is, maybe that's part of the permit process. I don't really know. But why, he just, like, assumes he's a special exception for some reason. Because he made a beeping box? <laughs> I don't get it, and I hate it. So now we hear from this, this former Nevada state water planner. I think this is the MVM. Okay. This guy was named Brett Jesse. He has a mustache, and I called his mustache the Dashing Gentleman. Nice. I feel like the only people who should be allowed to have a mustache are people named Rhett. Yes. This mustache uh, that's has... A I'm not sure if people know about this. <laughs> yeah, that's a new law we just established right now. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, for white guys, definitely. Because uh, this has some, like, Princess Bride vibes. Okay. He's he's kind of pulling it off. I'm impressed. So, and he also is like, guy, you just have to, nobody's trying to st- steal your right to file for this. You just have to do it. Like, he was like, a lawyer can help you. You just fill out the paperwork. It's like, oh, my God. Okay. So is this what- the guy that was, that called his beeping box no different than someone with a stick? Like, what no, that cool? was a different dude. Yeah, some other guy was like, I don't really see the difference between having this box that beeps and being a well witch, which is when you go out and you douse for water with a willow branch or whatever, which I don't understand how that works, and it's totally amazing. Uh, actually, I would have more faith if he had done that than this box thing. Well, that's actually an established, like, people actually do that. It's just <laughs> right. a, a box that beeps right. once. <laughs> it's like a very poor, ugly robot. Um... <laughs> So then we get a scene of Wally trying to talk to a lawyer in his house, but they scan the room. Okay, Wally is convinced that someone is going to steal the location of this water. Is I this don't where know. He thinks they found a bug in his room. Yes! He thinks his phone is tapped and they find a bug on the back of the picture, and I just refuse to believe it. Also, if that's true, just go to your lawyer's office. Yeah. And who's getting into your house to put bugs on stuff? No one. <laughs> No. But that's why he didn't want to file the water permit is because when you file it, you have to say what location it is. Obviously, you can't just be like, for the whole state of Nevada, I get all the water. So he was afraid someone would like steal it, which this guy Rhett was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, I just wrote down, he refused to disclose location, annoying everyone. Um, and then his wife, who's just like just as annoying as him at the end is like, we're not telling where that water is. Like, okay. I don't think anyone's <laughs> was asking. Yeah. D- I don't so, think anyone actually thinks it's there. <laughs> so don't, bitch. <laughs> why, why, why is this on Unsolved Mysteries? A guy refuses to make a permit for his water. That's the, like, guy refuses to fill out form. Mystery. Why is he such an asshole? Okay, the update is that Wally Spencer died without his water in 2003. His bitch wife, Beverly, (laughs) has 
has since filed water rights with 16 different applications, all of which were still pending at the time they made the update. And I didn't look to see if there was anything else. I'll look right now. <laughs> you don't like these people. This water should belong to everybody. They're so selfish. Yeah. yeah I don't know. This is not a treasure. It's water. Everybody needs water literally to live. You shouldn't be selling it like this. This is terrible. I I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm glad he's dead, but... Okay, the motivation for uh, modern water guy... I've already forgotten his name. Um, was his motivation the water or was it the gold? Okay, I think the the modern guy doesn't believe in the, the fancy dirt. I think... <laughs> He just wants the the you know to sell the water to like I don't know a town. I'm sure they could like okay. pipe the whole it. Time I watched the segment, I thought he was just after the the gold and the water was a way to find the gold. But I think I he literally I... just wanted water. Maybe well, he was gonna sell it to Nestle or some shit. Okay, right. yeah. There's no further update on Unsolved Mysteries wiki. They do have a few articles I refuse to read, such as quenching <laughs> quenching the thirst of the West. And has Rocket and Jordanier really found a river? No! What a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> this whole episode is. Uh, I'm gonna go pour a cup of water on this guy's grave. Here's your here's your river. <laughs> okay, we have one more. We actually had an unnecessary update, which takes up a lot of time. Yeah, remember that Franklin Grant Perkins biker murder? Yeah, that was really that was, early on. Yeah, I think that was the one that involved Billy Idol. Anyway, yeah. they do an update on that, and you go, I know. It's so not that an update so much as the entire original segment played over again. Um, yeah. So Bad. that's a m- more wasted time. But then we have a lost love. Yes. All right, are we done talking about the non-treasure water story now? <sighs> yeah, I... I'm just mad. <laughs> That's fine. Um, okay, so then the, our last our last segment in this episode is a lost love. We are looking for Christopher Karowski, who is the son of Helena and Apollinary Karowski and brother of Michelle Karowski. Uh, Helena had previously married an infantryman who was later killed by the Nazis. She was taken prisoner and forced to be a nurse in a German POW camp for six years. Shortly before the end of the war, a German soldier helped her escape. She was in Austria, which was then occupied by the Allies, when Apollinary picked her up. He cared for her, and they fell in love and were married. The Kurowskis stayed in Austria and in October 1946 adopted Christopher. Within a month, they moved to England um, to be in a refugee camp. Apollinary worked as a mechanic and Michelle was born in 1950. So Michelle, uh, whose last name was uh, changed to Borel, I assume through marriage, uh, is interviewed from Unsolved Mysteries. Her accent sounds like she's faking it, although I don't think she is. No, I don't think she is. I was so distracted the entire segment she has a very unique accent that i do think is legitimate but really sounds like someone faking a british accent um her only memory anyway she seems very nice she also has a killer smoky eye look oh hell yeah yeah her makeup is on point um so michelle was born in 1950 and her only memory of christopher involved them having fun playing in their yard the kurowskis wanted to emigrate to the united states however the process took several months 
another family in the camp was more successful. The father asked the Karowskis if Christopher could go with them, and they agreed because they wanted him to start school there. Helena was hesitant, but Apollinaire insisted that he would get a better education in the United States. So they let him go. Uh, weeks passed as Helena and Apoll- uh, Apollinary waited for their visas. Um, but at that point, outlandish rumors had begun circulating through the refugee camp. Um, Helena, Which stayed- are kind of amazing okay. and hilarious. So they're in the reenactment. Helena is sitting at the table with another woman from the camp, and the other woman is very seriously telling her that in California, if you set your baby outside and leave them alone for five minutes, they'll get eaten by monkeys. Yeah, there, there's a rash of kidnappings in California. Monkey by, kidnapping. <laughs> monkey kidnapping. Which, Which I'm sure was really <laughs> scary. I mean, they just in the. Robert Stack describes America as like a mysterious land, which I'm sure, sure she them. doesn't. She doesn't know better. She doesn't know that California is not teeming with monkeys and that those right. monkeys aren't eating child brains. I guess. <laughs> I okay. So, sh- tons of Polish immigrants immigrated to Chicago. Chicago has like the largest Polish speaking um, population outside of Poland. And I was kind of wondering if that was because these rumors about California. <laughs> they wouldn't go to California. They're like, they're like, okay, we can't go to California because of that monkey problem. But, I, <laughs> but I've heard Chicago has very similar weather to Poland. Maybe we should immigrate there. That's funny. I, it would be amazing if, if monkey rumors was the reason. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm not really sure what the reason is, but so because of (laughs) it might be that. So because of the monkey rumors, Helena soon became too afraid. It's not even clear to me if that really was the 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 nature of the rumors was killer monkeys. They don't really say. It's just what's replayed in the in the reenactment. But I believe that's if that's not what was said. That's rude that they made it up because it's ridiculous. True. They could have at least said something legitimate, like Florida has alligators, or there's tornadoes there. Like there's stuff you could have said that's scary about the United States that's true. There are a bunch of bozos. Don't go there. But instead, it was like it's full of kidnapping monkeys that will get your children. It makes her sound like an idiot. Uh, that's true. Well, it makes the other lady sound like an idiot. At least, although Helena did believe them. So because of the rumors, Helena became too afraid to go to the United States. The Karowskis uh, made the decision to withdraw their visa applications, and they asked, uh, they sent a letter asking the other family to send Christopher back to them. However, in a return letter, the family said that he had already settled in the United States and had made friends in school, and so they did not want to send him back, which doesn't That's seem like something they should be able so to do. Weird. <laughs> Actually, we're just going to keep your kid. Yeah. I, 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 we just decided we want to raise more children. We yeah. definitely want to pay to feed and house your kid. Yeah, so. that's kind of shitty. Um, so Apollinary went to the Polish consulate in an attempt to get Christopher back. However, all of his adoption papers and other records were sent there, so it was impossible for the Karowskis to, to obtain him. Um, for years, they sent letters to the other family. However, they never received a response. In 1960, that's bold. They were worried about kidnapping monkeys, and it turned out to be their kidnapping friends. Yeah, that is irony. It is ironic and really sad. So, in 1966, Michelle turned 16. She decided that she would find Christopher, and she wrote a letter to the American embassy. Two months later, she received a reply from Christopher, and he said that he had been drafted and was uh, in Vietnam. 
He also said that he was now going by the name Stan Smith. She wrote him back, but the Kurowskis never heard from him again. In 1973, Michelle moved to the United States. After Apollinary died, Helena also moved there. Sadly, she had passed away in April 1992. Her dying wish was that her children would someday be reunited. So sweet. So, fortunately, this case is solved. After the case aired in, 19, in 1996, Christopher's adopted sister Rose called the telecenter. Um, he <laughs> to, to say, sorry, my parents are kidnappers. <laughs> no kidding. Whoops. So his adopted name, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this, but it was Christopher um, with a different last name. He was now living in New York. A month later, he and Michelle were reunited at their home, at her home in Houston, Texas. At the reunion, he, uh, she met his wife, Ellen, and he met her husband, Derek, as well as their children and grandchildren. So... Really I'm kind cool. of disappointed he didn't go to Chicago, gotta say. Yeah. Stan Smith. Well, when she couldn't get back in touch with him right away, I was like, well, he is in a war, right? So that Right. He but, was it's, it was kind of remarkable to me that they even like connected them. Like the US consulate was able to con- to connect them and he was in Vietnam when he wrote the letter. So I think under a different name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um well I'm glad they got back together. Uh I hope there's, I guess there's probably not really an explanation for the kidnapping. Just, oh, we got used to having Christopher around. So <laughs> no dice. You can't have your own child. Yeah. Sucks. Wow. Wow. But believe it or not, folks, that is the end of the episode. That's all you get. Thanks, Satan. Okay. Should we rate it? Yeah. Sadly, we have to. Mysteriousness? Is there water? Hmm. Um, hmm. I don't know. This one wasn't that mysterious. The first no. one was not mysterious to anyone except no. Mel. Um, that treasure is dumb and also not <laughs> mysterious. It, it is our rivers real? No, thumbs down. <laughs> this is not mysterious at all. And I generally don't find lost loves to be mysterious necessarily. So yeah, thumbs no. down. Reenactments. I did think the reenactments were good. Okay, I don't really have a th- a feeling on them either way. I mean, they weren't, like, that. I, I'm not going to remember them, but that's just because this whole episode is boring. But. I actually really like the reenactment of the murderers cleaning out the garage. <laughs> or them rushing in and attacking him. Ah! Yeah, uh, so thumbs up, I guess. We don't get a reenactment of the kidnapping monkeys, I'll warn you. That's not reenacted. That's too bad, actually. Um. Yeah, so thumbs up for that one. The fashion... You did like fashion in particular. Yeah, I think particularly the first segment had some really, we got a variety of 70s looks between the the reenactments and some still photographs. Um, I'd give it a thumbs up. It's not like an enthusiastic thumbs up, but it's better than usual. And Robert Stack? Hates the desert, is barely there. Calls calls dirt fancy, fancy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. Do you Not think that Robert, at Robert Stack's house, there's only fancy dirt? Like, so. his yeah, garden is gold. full of gold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to say thumbs down. I think he was phoning it in. for. I think this whole episode is phoned in. Yeah, this wasn't his, his best episode. No. Okay, in our Robert Stack scale of 0 to 5 Robert Stacks, <laughs> how are we going to rate this one? I mean, your lost love isn't terrible, but it's everything fine. else is bad. So, is that a 1.5? Is that a 2? I'm never going to watch it again. The the thing of it is, is like, I didn't, 
the water one is frustrating, but it's not an episode that I'm going to remember with, like, overt hatred. I'm probably just going to forget about it. So I don't know if that means it's, like, a, a one and a half or two. I guess that means it's a two. Okay. <laughs> it's not special enough to be in the one category. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a two. That was a two. Um, I I can't I just can't believe that Wally guy. Yeah. So selfish. What a creep. Yeah. I'm, gla- I'm glad he had a bad mustache. <laughs> and I'm glad someone with a better mustache came on TV to talk about how he could just fill out some paperwork and it wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> 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 uh, he kind of got his come up in there. That's a little bit good. Yeah, two. Two. Okay. Solid two. All, All right. right. Now that we're done, do you have something to recommend? I do. Though, once again, I was like, oh boy, I never leave the house. What do I have to recommend? The days are all the same. But I remembered that one of my quarantine hobbies has been film photography. Oh, yeah. Maybe not now that it's all snowy, but when we actually had, like, beautiful fall days, pretty leaves... It was nice to go out to the cemeteries, take some pictures, and it had been a long time since I had done that. It was very enjoyable. I highly recommend it. And it's it's good because you are you don't need to be around anybody. We can still get out and about, whatever. Good quarantine hobby. But, you know, the days are gone where you can just bring some film to Walgreens to get it developed. Right. So I asked friend of the pod, Stephanie, where I should get my film developed, and she recommended Citizen's Photo in Portland. So that is my recommendation. It is just a film lab and sure camera store that's just been open for a really long time, and they're still open, and you can send them what you literally do, or what I've literally been doing. You just like put your film in a box, write down what you want, like develop, develop film, uh you know one picture each the size you just send it to them and then when it's done they call you and tell you how much is gonna be (laughs) i love it it seems like they shouldn't do the work before i pay them but i guess that's how it's always been so um and yeah it's been a super enjoyable process and i think my pictures have come out really nicely i've been really happy with them you can um say whether or not you want like matter gloss or if you want a border and they can do a lot of different types of film. Um, there is a place that's closer to us that's out in the burbs somewhere. But uh, Stephanie told me that they don't wear masks there. So oh. <laughs> I decided I wasn't going to go local for that. And I'll just ship it off in the mail. Um, I don't. I have not shopped around. So I don't know if this is like a lot more than other places would charge. But. You pay, like, depending on the type of film, like, six, eight dollars to get each roll developed, and then you pay per the print, and that could be, like, 35 cents each. I don't, I think it's reasonable, particularly since it's not a thing a lot of places offer anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're just, like, helping this family photo business. Um, I love it. And I kind of actually really enjoy that, like, the surprise of like I send it away, I don't really know what came out, and then like in a couple weeks I get my photos back in the mail, and then I get to you know sit down and look through them, and you get that that sensory joy of being like, oh this you know this worked, this didn't, whatever. But um, 
for those of us who who are haven't taken a, a, a I don't know I don't know if I want to call it a real photo because <laughs> sure. that's accurate but who haven't used a film camera before what do you have the the name of the camera you use oh my god no it's um I'm literally using Max old Canon I couldn't tell you what model it is though okay. that he just had from back in the day and I was talking about like oh you know I've been thinking about getting a camera. And Mac thought I meant like a digital SLR camera, which is very expensive. And I was like, no, I think it'd be fun to do some film photography. And he was like, oh, well, I still have this. But nobody wants those cameras. So you could go on eBay or I don't know, maybe Etsy or somewhere else. And for like, I don't know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, buy what would have been considered a really nice camera in the 90s. But just nobody wants those anymore. So um, I would recommend getting one where you can change out the lens, but that's not, that just kind of depends on what you want to do really. Um, Yeah. And they, and they make, um, you know, there's like hipster uh, film cameras too that you could get that are like cuter and come in different colors and whatever, but that's going to be more like $150 and probably, you know, depending on your goals might not take as crisp photos. So um, I would kind of recommend just getting like an older, yeah, Canon or something of that ilk from, from the eighties or nineties. And I, I've had a lot of fun doing it and I don't, I mean, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just playing around. Have you got any good photos of the the hoar frost? Is that how you pronounce it? That's been going on in Minnesota lately? I have not. Rochelle has has been taking some good photos of that. Uh, No, I haven't. I should. We're having this, like, weather phenomenon in Minnesota where the fog freezes on everything. And it makes, like, all the trees covered in, like... These this like icicle frost is really pretty. And it's I think like it's, everything is like dipped in ice. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Um and you get to say hoar frost, which is fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my recommendation. Citizens photo in Portland. It's just citizensphoto.com if you want to take a look at their website and like they can process most types of film, but you know, maybe take a look before you buy some film and see if they could process it and that's my recommendation. That's a good recommendation. So mine is, it's been a minute since I've recommended a book. Mainly because oh, I haven't yeah. been yeah. reading as much. Uh, in 2020, I didn't read as much as I usually do. But I read a book recently that I really liked and was eerily well-timed, um, given the, the things that have been going on uh, in our world the last week, especially. Um, so I'm recommending the book Culture Warlords. And shout mm. out to Patrick in our Facebook group. Uh, we have a Facebook group dedicated. To, we have a spinoff group for books. If you're not in it, you should join it because everyone's reading some really cool stuff and I get some good recommendations from there. It's Perhaps it's you who wants to see what book I'm reading, I think. Um, and cult, uh, uh, Patrick posted that uh, he'd read this book and I immediately, I literally picked it up the same day. Um, I listened to the audiobook because it sounded very interesting. I'm going to read the blurb before I talk about it. Um, Culture War Lords, and the, the subtitle is My Journey into the Dark Web of White Supremacy. 
and it's described as a nonfiction book by the author Talia Lavin. In it, Talia Lavin describes a project of inventing online personae that allow her to meet and expose fascist white supremacists who gather in online chat rooms and websites. The book also traces the historic roots of these contem- this contemporary phenomena. So I recognize that not everyone is probably going to be in the headspace for this book right now, um, but I wanted to bring it up because I read it um just before everything went down last week and uh i think it's a really good primer now obviously um this book focuses on white supremacy um but the and not really like the political aspects of the right wing but the venn diagram of white supremacists and people who believe say that the election was stolen is is more like a circle <laughs> Uh, so I think this is a good way if you are feeling, if you're up for it and you're feeling kind of overwhelmed, um, trying to understand how we got to a point where right wing shitheads are storming the U S Capitol. I think this may be a good place to start. Now, like I said, it's not all encompassing, but it gives you a good idea of who these people are and how they use the internet to organize and spread their hate. And Talia Lavin's story of this project she set out on is also, uh, it's deadly serious because there is like, I think uh, Patrick in his post in the Facebook group mentioned like that they have a body count, which they absolutely do. And obviously they do even more now <laughs> after just this last week. Um, but so it's very serious, but it's also funny, like, ta- at one point, ta- Talia Lavin is catfishing a Nazi, which is hilarious. Um, so there is some levity in the book as well. But I thought it was a really good, yeah, primer on how we got here and how these people use the internet. Because if you're not, like, following like, you don't, like, the the world that these people live in on the internet is a world that is totally different than the rest of us live in. And no one wants to go into those spaces. And Talia Levin does it. She invents these persona and she goes and she interacts with these people um, and really finds out what they're doing and how they are spreading misinformation and hate. And it's scary but also really enlightening there's a whole section about modern anti-fascist organizing which i think would be really informative for a lot of people it's sort of towards the end of the book um so if if, i think it's a good place to start and i really was interested in the internet aspect of it um after i read this book i was interested in finding other books about like the dark web and i haven't really found anything that scratched that itch yet so um but yeah, that was sort of where my motivation for reading this book came from. And I thought it was really well done. And if you listen to the audiobook, uh, Talia Levin narrates it and does a really good job. Um, so, and it just came out. This book was like very well timed. <laughs> I think it just came out not that long ago. So it's newly published. And yeah, I, I do recommend, I know you're, a lot of people probably aren't going to have the stomach for it, but if you're trying to find some sort of like, I don't know, some, some sort context. of context. Yeah, context or something to kind of like get a better understanding. Uh, I think this might be a good place to start. Um, yeah, that sounds good. Catfishing a Nazi too is just like chef's kiss. That's it's so good, <laughs> it's oh, so good. Man. Uh, yeah, you gotta to get those wins where you can. So I enjoyed it. Well, that's a solid recommendation. I also want to tell people uh, to remind people that we have an Animal Crossing group. Yes, and that 
I'm looking forward to an upcoming event we're going to have in that group. <laughs> so yesterday, I amused myself basically all day by finding out that there's a very unpopular Animal Crossing villager named Wart Jr. <laughs> who is a frog that no one wants because he's ugly but his name plain villagers to people who might not play animal crossing oh yeah okay so (laughs) people are probably like what is she talking about so when you play animal crossing you have a little island but people come and people animals it's animal crossing animals come as your villagers and they live on the island in little houses with you and you can you know Different, there's different characters that could be these villagers that come. And, and some villagers are highly sought after. Like people pay actual real world money on eBay for certain villagers yeah. that like maybe you can't so you can get these little amiibos and you can like force villagers to come live on your island, but you have to like actually buy those from like Nintendo or they sell knockoffs. Um, but like some villagers don't have them yet because they're just they're like new. And so people like trade villagers on these like <laughs> these marketplaces it's wild so some villagers people really want and it's normally really cute ones like a cute little cat with two different color eyes and then there's less sought after villagers yeah i one of my og villagers when i first started was this frog this purple frog named diva and i hated that bitch like nobody's (laughs) business and everyone hates diva everyone hates diva she's the worst she's ugly she's rude I don't want her on my island. I would give her bad gifts in the hope that she would just move away. But I gave her a moldy dress and she hung it on the wall. I gave her some seaweed and she just left it on the floor. <laughs> anyway, Diva's long gone. But uh, for some... Oh, I was thinking about... I need to shake up my island. Let me look at. Let me look into some villagers I could get. And then I was considering getting this popular villager, Tangy. A cat who looks like an orange. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And while I was looking for other villagers I might want, I came upon Wart Jr. <laughs> and the whole thing amused me so much that I ended up, as Samantha was talking about, I bought this little card to make Wart Jr. come to my island. It cost me a dollar and 67 cents. <laughs> I feel like it's money well spent. <laughs> Just yeah. ugly frog with literal warts all over its face. It's so ugly. But the name Wart Jr. implying the existence of a Wart Senior is such a good name for a frog. It's true. So anyway, when he so I have to get the card and then I have to invite him to my island three times, blah blah blah. Once Wart Jr. is finally on my island, we are gonna have a meetup to welcome him. <laughs> So my whole point was just that you should be in our Animal Crossing Facebook group so that you can come to the War Junior welcome party. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> this is so weird and I love it. Yes, please join our Animal Crossing Facebook group. It's really fun. I feel like my interest in Animal Crossing has like waned slightly, but every yeah. once in a while I get like a burst of motivation to like do something else. And <laughs> That's why I, I, yeah, I've got him a little bit bored. That's why I was like, I need to shake it up with some That's something new. Junior. <laughs> 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 
we were. I told King about it to Arden, and she was like, "I have never heard of this character. Are you sure this is even in this game?" Uh, and yeah. Arden is like an Animal Crossing aficionado. <laughs> Arden has two islands and is always on Reddit, like trading items. And yeah, if Arden hasn't heard of Wart Junior, you know it's a very unpopular village. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Wart Junior. What if he's my favorite? No, that- he'll never. He'll never replace Claude for me. Well, what if he's he- my favorite? My you favorite become, villager. You become your second favorite, maybe. I have a maybe. hard time believing you're gonna fall. What kind of personality does he have? Is he grumpy? Yeah, he's a cranky. Okay. Yeah, I have a hard <laughs> time believing you're gonna fall in love with a cranky frog named Wart Junior. But maybe his goal is to be a detective. That's perfect for this podcast, though. <laughs> he could be our I new know. mascot. Well, he's. I'm not gonna let him replace the donkey, but. He can he join be- the donkey <laughs> as another mascot. He can be the, the the Animal Crossing Facebook group mascot. Whether there people like go. it. I'm sure people will not be happy about this decision. Whether you people should- like it or not. All the Wart gifts Junior. Junior should be like detective clothes. Like you should give him a little trench coat. Oh my coat. god, yes. The hat. Yeah. Oh, so good. Okay. Uh, let's wrap it up. <laughs> I'm sure people love this. Uh, okay, let's plug our shit. Yeah, so you might have noticed we got some Facebook groups. We also have a website, perhaps at you.com. Uh, we keep our recommendations there. There's also a contact page. If you have had a paranormal experience, if something spooky has happened to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email at perhaps to podcast at gmail.com or if you'd have a psychic dream. We want to hear about your psychic dreams. Absolutely. Even if that psychic dream suggests that murderers cleaned out a garage, I want to hear about it. I kind of extra want to hear about that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we need some new five-star reviews. It's been oh, a little while. It's been a little while and our egos are shrinking. So that's unacceptable. So leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addict or however you get your podcasts. And um, be sure to subscribe, a thing I never say. Be sure to sign up for our Patreon if you want to hear us talk about the reboot. Yes. And I think we only have one more Patreon we have one... to do about the reboot. So then we're going to be looking for some some other mm-hmm. some other options for bonus content. So if you have anything you want to suggest, uh, let us know. I feel like we should do another episode of Paranormal Home Inspectors. Yes, we absolutely should. I love that show. Brian and his list. <coughs> Brian just smacking down everybody's hopes of having a haunted house. <laughs> yeah, so good. I think that was all the stuff I need to say, right? Yeah, Instagram, probably. Twitter. Oh yeah, all the social medias. We're there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um man, I'm so excited about Wart Jr. <laughs> You'll have to update everybody about Wart Jr. once he's moved in. Someone in our group was like, he's on my island and he's really annoying. It's like, shh, no. I don't, <laughs> you probably I don't could have just got him from them. I'm sure I could have, but... Kept that... dollar 64 cents. <laughs> my dollar's gone. So, it's okay. I'm trying to imagine that Etsy seller when they get that order for Warch. <laughs> like, someone actually bought this frog. Well, they had... Okay, I, sorry, we're still talking about Animal Crossing. But one of my least favorite villagers I've ever had was this wolf named Kyle. And they are selling him. They were selling him for $10. I do think there's a certain Animal Crossing player that really loves Kyle. I I don't know why. I don't know why. The first thing he ever said to me was, I can tell you're happy I'm here. 
Kyle is like your creep, the creepy ex-boyfriend that you had, it was a really bad decision. You kind of want to forget that time <laughs> of your life in college. It's like if you took that person and made them a cute video, he's not cute, but if you put him into a cute video game, like why anyone would do that? I don't know, but that's literally the wolf. I'm not a fan at all. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> but if you want him on your island, go to eBay. It'll cost you 10 bucks. That seems way overpriced. I feel like yeah, if I had I, him, I would probably pay someone ten dollars to come take him. I would. I would have paid ten dollars to get him off my island sooner. I put his house in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by trees. <laughs> anyway, goodbye, everybody. Right. Keep keep barking. Bye. Bye. My dog does not like that I'm in this closet. I'm sorry. Yes.